Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Great. Did you have a good worship time? Did you do that new song, Jay? My hands are open. My heart is free. What's the next part? See, I heard one that said, bend the heavens. Must be another version. Bend the heavens, and that's fall fall down, rain down, or rain down, fall down? Rain down, fall down. Okay, good. I heard that a couple weeks ago in Florida. Uh, Cindy and I got to spend a little time in Florida a couple weeks ago on vacation, and we arrived during a uh, hurricane-slash-tropical storm uh, that hit, hit Tampa, it was quite a landing, you know, it was, it was frontier, so it was a, it was a budget, budget flight. And uh, we got down there, you know, after a day it was over, all the rain, you know, disappeared. But it, it went down to uh, the Caribbean, actually down to Central America, and then turned around and came back and hit us again. So we had at the beginning of our vacation and kind of toward the end of the vacation, right? So it came and it uh, did a little bit of damage, but we had a good time. Still got to the beach and I got to speak down there in Bradenton, Florida. Loved those people. We had a great time down there. And then last week I was down in uh, Columbus at uh, Northgate. Northgate, which is the, I think it's the Delaware exit where the Harley dealer is. And uh, great church there. We went in, I went in there last week. It's probably, I don't know, 300 people maybe. It was packed out was packed out <laughs> it was packed out it was it was there was a vibe there I mean it was amazing and worship was great all of that but you know at the beginning of the service I just started weeping I wept through the whole the whole worship service I mean I had to get it together because I was speaking but I just through the whole worship I it, I told Cindy it was like going back to 2019 because they were all together and there was such a vibe and there was such passion uh and and uh, you know some of the Catholic young men and women who have come here from Central Ohio. You remember they've come up to some of our conferences, these, some of these guys studying to be priests, and uh, they go there on Sunday. And so there was about a dozen of them sitting together, and they told me, they said, ever since the Catholic guys arrived, the whole uh, atmosphere of the church shifted into a deeper worship. That's what I was feeling when I was there. So I got up, and man, I preached like I was on fire. I just, because I was. I mean, it was just something about the presence of God. But it's, it's interesting, because when I first got there, when you go to a church uh, to speak, you go in, you don't know what they've been going through. You don't know if they're having struggles or expansion or what's, what's happening. You just have no idea. And so I walked in there, and you're, I'm always looking for the Lord somewhere. <laughs> you know, if you've done that in life where you go through something, you go, I know God's in this somewhere. I just can't find him, you know. So you got you to search out the Lord. Why am I meeting with this person? Why did I have this appointment? Why did I get this new boss? What's going on here? What is God? I mean, God's called us to be those kinds of people. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes today because in Scripture, there's actually in John 1, I won't turn there because I preached on it three weeks ago, but it's been hanging in my consciousness since then. In John 1, it's the expression, in, be, in the beginning was the 
the Word, and the Word was God. It's direct reference to Jesus Christ. I should say an indirect reference, using the term the Word rather than the Lord or Jesus. But it's about Jesus. And it said, and, and in him was life, and that life became a light to men. And so I preached on that a couple weeks ago. Light has been big in my head lately because light is revelation. If, you turn, if you're in darkness and you turn the light on, you have clarity. You know who you are, you know where you are, and you know where you, might, where you can go now. You can go toward the door or whatever. And so as revelation comes into your life as intended by God, you're gonna have greater clarity on your identity. Who, who are you? Let the light of God shine on you. You're gonna be amazed who you are. Turn the person next to you and say, it's amazing who you are. It is. Not only do you find out who you are, but you find out where you're supposed to be and where you need to go because you have light, you have clarity. So we are carriers of light. And so when I went to this church uh, last week and the one before, I'm looking for light. I tell you, both of them, I got in there and I could find it really quick. You know, if really looking into the, and sensing and feeling the presence of God, it is so important because we are entering right now today into a season of kind of enlightenment. It's called the Advent. The Advent started today and it goes four Sundays. In our churches, we typically don't recognize it. It's more of a traditional thing, mainline thing, whatever, but I, I know about it every year and I've preached on it many times, but the Advent is the coming near of the Lord. And what it's meant to do is create anticipation for Christmas. Not because gifts are gonna be given out, I mean, that's great, and it's not about Santa and all that stuff. It's okay to believe in Santa as long as you believe he worships God. That's the important thing. <laughs> so whatever you tell your kids, you know, you got responsibility to, to raise them up in the, the way they should go, you know. But... Um, it's, it's about coming near to Jesus. It's like a, it's, it's, it was framed in the fifth century. So it's not something that happened in Jesus' day. You know, they didn't have an Advent season. But it started in the fifth century. It's been carried on through the church for 1,500 years. Every time in this season, four Sundays before, we come into a place of bringing our consciousness and our focus upon Jesus Christ in a very specific way. It's the anticipation of his birth. But what happened was Advent actually expanded, like telescopically, it went whoo. You know, you get those little telescopes when you're a kid and goes out like that. So it's not only about the present, it's about the future. Advent is a reminder to believers that he who came will come again. Now, we don't talk about a lot that nowadays. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm the guy who should be talking about it, but I don't. You know, I just think, I don't, I don't know, we did that in the 70s and 80s. We talked about it all the time. And actually, biblically, it's a part of what they did because when Jesus ascended, the disciples were there and a clear word was given to them. Turn with me to Acts 1, verse 10. Acts 1, 10. And Advent calendars with chocolate in them are fine. But it's not the fullness of what Advent is all about. It's the coming close of the Lord. And that's why that song we sang today that I heard in Bradenton two weeks ago, Bradenton, Florida, two weeks ago, I thought, where's that song? I, I, we gotta do that song. Because they did it, I don't even know how to describe it, and I'm probably describing it wrong, but it had this kind of a rhythm that was almost, in my head, Caribbean, like Jamaican kind of a thing. 
And so it was like, my arms are open, my heart is free, you know. And there's kind of this rhythm, and as you can tell, I don't have much rhythm, but there's this rhythm or dance that came to it, and it was rhythmic and cyclical. You know, they sang it over and over again. And so the first couple times, you're like, okay, I got it. I got the words, and, you know, how many times we're going to sing this? And, but if you're a seeker, if you're hungry, about the third time into the song, you're, you're bending over and you're moving with the song, you know, because it's, it's, it's reaching into your bones. There's something about the whole impact of being close and anticipation. And every, I want to tell you, everywhere you go during the week, God is somewhere in there. God is somewhere in the relationships you have. God is somewhere even in the workplace that you're at. But you have to have eyes of anticipation and desire like we are in this season right now. We anticipate the coming of the Lord. How many of you know there's many comings of the Lord? <laughs> I mean, he comes and visits me often. We know there's the last coming when the Lord will come back again. And actually in the early church, they were moved by that. Hope filled their hearts. In fact, when the disciples walked away from the ascension, when Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, how many of you know they had no idea what that meant? Honestly, what they thought about is that we go to Jerusalem and we wait a little bit and Jesus is coming back. There's some stuff he's got to do. He's going to go to hell and mess with hell a little bit bring out the captives, and take them into heaven. And so how long does that take? Can't take too long. And so if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, so Jesus is ascending. This is a, a life-changing experience here. Jesus ascending, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus, listen to this, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. What goes up must come down. Jesus went up, Jesus is returning. The Bible says so much about it, Thessalonians and Matthew, all through the Gospels. Jesus talks about it. I mean, what, what's sometimes called the parousia, the parousia, the rapture, the taking away. You know, we just don't talk about it a lot nowadays, and we should because it would be a hope for everything that we go through right now. Because what it does is it messes with your mind and spirit and lets you know that there's a day in your future that Jesus will return or you will go to be with him and you'll come back with him. That would be kind of fun too. Come back on some horses, you know, to deliver the world. And we think it's going to be in a bad time, and it could be. But also it's a time that, like a thief in the night. And Jesus says that because a thief in the night is not expected. You don't say, hon, we need to get up at 2, because at 2.15 the thief is coming. You don't do that. You know, they come unexpectedly. That's the whole point. They break in. And hopefully without you knowing about it, you know. And so... Jesus speaks about it in that way. In other words, he could come in a good time. He could get it come in a time where you're not anticipating it because we all want him in a bad time. Lord, rescue me. Get me out of here. That's my first prayer in everything I go through. When I had my heart situation exactly a year ago, by the way, 
I was getting ready to go into the hospital for open heart surgery. And, uh, you know, it came out of nowhere. It was like a thief, you know, it came out of nowhere. And, and once I heard, you know, the diagnosis, prognosis, what I need to do and everything, uh, my first response then is, okay, when do we, when can we do this? Sooner the better. I'm ready right now. You know, well, no, no, we need a few days, you know, we'll, we'll, but you, we do want to do it sooner rather than later because of the condition of your heart, you know. And so uh, you're in that moment and you, you, you press in in your heart and you just say, Lord, we're in your moment. The first prayer you pray is, God, deliver me from this situation. I actually had people say, well, did you pray that God would heal you? I'm like, no, I really don't believe in that. <laughs> yes, I prayed. Like, what idiot would not pray when you've got a heart diagnosis? Isn't that the, even, even pagans pray when there's a heart diagnosis. You're like, oh, Jesus, if you're there. <laughs> I need you now, Lord. How many of you know that sometimes, though, God wants to bring you through the situation out on the other side because something about the situation you're in is going to accelerate your transformation. I was saying it politely. It's going to change you. I know we, we, if, we, if we got delivered out of everything, I'd want to be del- delivered out of everything all the time. I mean, every day I'd have things, Lord, you know, get me out of this situation. Get me over the traffic. Just raise my car up, move it over the traffic, and drop it down over there. Let the line at Costco's disappear. And all of a sudden, the new line open up. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and the Lord hears those prayers. <sighs> he hears those prayers. But he knows some things, see that line at Costco's? could be exactly what you need. Yeah. I, not me, but you. You need, <laughs> you need that line. Why? Because he's producing patience. You're learning. But people cut you off on the freeway. It could be the Lord. He's working on, <laughs> working on something inside of you. He's watching to see how you respond. And so, you know, I, I think of that, and I think we need to start looking at the Lord in a different way because we are in the midst of a situation right now, a six-month situation that's probably going to be longer, that people will be studying and talking about for hundreds of years from now. A hundred years from now, they'll go, 2020, I wonder what that was like. I mean, at the heights of amazing technology of the time and, you know, relative peace in the world. I mean, there's stuff going on, but not like, you know, there was no worldwide. And all of a sudden, this this virus comes and undoes economies and people and families and separates people, changes culture. You know, in the midst of it, they have a controversial election. No one knows who the president is. You know, they're hoping somehow that'll get worked out in the days ahead. I mean, it's just like over and over and over again. And you know, I gotta tell you, a lot of Christians are not, are not faring well in this. They're not. I mean, at the very least, just put your head down and keep walking forward. <laughs> You'll get on the other side of this eventually, you know. Uh, but some people just, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. And they, because they feel awkward inside. You know, there's a lot of examples in the Bible of this. I don't, I don't wanna get them all, but you know, we love the one. I mentioned it three weeks ago. You know, when Peter was standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, with Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, which is kind of a, a big deal. These guys are not alive, they're dead. 
but now they're alive. And they're there in person. These are like the heroes there. It'd be like you being on a mountain with Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter and Jesus. Like, it's a moment. It's a moment. And so you're, you're watching this, and Peter feels the awkwardness of the moment, so he says something that really doesn't fit. He moves in a way that doesn't fit into the scenario or situation, and it causes a bit of a silent moment. I really do believe that when Peter spoke up, the angels that were probably there watching this whole thing in awe, doing the thing they do, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> do we want to build like something, like a tabernacle or something like that? You imagine the angels like, What? I mean, the stunning silence is interrupted by God the Father in heaven. He speaks and says, this is my son, listen to him. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, that's kind of like a heavenly shh. <laughs> you know, oh, okay, back down. How many of us, we get near moments where God's wanting to do something inside of, I'm telling you, this whole thing I know it's difficult. I know, I know a lot of people have died. I know, I know, you know, I understand all the stats and everything else, but there's a deeper thing going on here, even in America. And God is trying to awaken a sleeping church right now. It really is in so many ways. We've been lulled by political correctness for decades now into think, you know, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to, you know, it's my space, your space. And, and so we allow loud voices to take over the argument rather than being someone who's coming out of the presence of the Lord with wisdom and understanding and the light of God on you. Moses leaves just for a few days, about a month, a few days. And all of a sudden they, they create a golden calf and start worshiping the golden calf. This is just, he just goes on a, you know, a four-week sabbatical up on the mountain. The leader comes back down, and it is bail. I mean, he can hear it down, and like, what is going on? What is that noise? It's their, it's their, I mean, they immediately fell away because of the void of the leader that left. That's all it took in the Old Testament. And Moses comes off the mountain, you remember? He is shining. He's lit up. So much so, they had, it was so powerful. This wasn't like, hey, have you been out in the sun a little while? I mean, they threw a veil over him in order to, to cloud the brightness that was upon him. When it says in John 1 that Jesus was the life and his life was a light to men, he's talking about, and the darkness comprehended it not. So there's gonna be a lot of people that are in darkness, even believers that do not understand the moment, they do not understand the time, so they freak out. I'm seeing them, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, they're selling everything and moving somewhere and then the Lord's telling them, and no doubt God does tell people certain things and some of it appears very crazy to normal people, but there's a disproportionate amount of that going on right now. My theory is, is that people are rattled by what's happening. And so I gotta do something. Can we build a tabernacle? And you feel the quiet of heaven because the Lord's saying, no, this is a moment right now to draw near and adore the Lord for he is coming near and he's about to do something amazing. And so with that in mind, turn with me to James. I wanna go to James here real quick. <clears throat> Talk about this a little bit more. James 4, 
verse 7. I love James. James is a great book because it's, it's very practical. In fact, James is so practical that Martin Luther, 500 years ago, did not believe it should be part of the canon because it, it was too works-oriented. And so when you read it, you get motivated. It talks about your tongue. It talks about your body, how use of how you are and your, your physical and everything else. And, and then it gets into this. It talks about uh, times of trouble and fiery trials coming into your life. And we are in the midst of a lot of that right now. There's things swirling around that is a trial for our lives. And it says this. It says, therefore, this is what you do. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. <clears throat> we need to do more of that. Just tell the devil to get, get out. I was going to say get the hell out, but that didn't sound right. Get, get out. <laughs> Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Now, this is the part that amazes me because this is so biblical. It occurs over and over again throughout Scripture, at least the concept of it. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So here's the deal. <clears throat> now, God has given the onus for some things are on you. I mean, God's in heaven, we're on earth, and I know God's here and all that, and you're seated in heavenly places, and it's all kind of mixed up there, but, but you have responsibility, so much so that Jesus said the ecclesia, the church, that's here right now, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, so what you do on earth has effect in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Right? And then he says, if you draw near to God, so see, the initiative is upon you. You draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So in every situation, if you focus upon the Lord, he will draw near. This is Advent. This is what we're doing. So right now, every Sunday, that's why I love that song. You know, my, my hands are open. My heart is free. Bend down, oh Lord. Rain down on me. Fall down on me. I've been singing it all week long. I do better when I sing it. It's hard to remember the words unless you're singing it. But it's this rhythm of like, Lord, I'm here. My hands are open. My heart is free. Bend down, oh Lord. Fall down on me. Fall down on me, Lord. Come down, rain down on me, Lord. Fall down on me. And then they will, that kind of a heart draws attraction from heaven. In fact, <clears throat> this illustration came to me the other day. I've used it probably years ago. I haven't haven't recently, but when my son, who's 30, um, and <clears throat> he helps us with sound here, but when he, was, when he was about five, I'd say, somewhere around there, I was traveling around the world back in the uh, 90s, and in fact, I was, when we started this church, I was gone a week every month somewhere in the world, you know, for uh, four or five years, and then lesser for another seven, eight, ten years, something like that. And we got, I got to experience so many amazing things, you know. But when I would come back home, because there's a lot of time away from young kids, I had four children, Cindy's taking care of them. You know, I'd buy gifts from them in these countries and bring them home. Because I did it at first because I didn't think I'd ever be going back to these places again. I thought, this is a great opportunity. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, you just absorb everything you can out of the trip, not knowing you're going to go back, in my case, to the United Kingdom 50 times. You know, so 50 times over the past 20 years, but the United Kingdom, you know, there's this rhythm of going back and forth. I mean, there's only so many little soldiers you can buy for a little kid, you know. I guess I could have got him the whole set. So what happened was when I realized this is now a rhythm of my life, I, I started buying gifts at Walmart in Cleveland. 
because <clears throat> they're from other countries anyway. So I'd come back and I'd buy them, stop by and buy them up four gifts from Walmart and come home and they'd be like, oh, you know, dad's been to Norway or whatever. And yeah, look, it says made in China right at the feet. Underneath the sun. I, I bring him things like that. One year I brought him a wand that was, the end of it had a big magnet on it. Really powerful magnet, you know. Oh, little boys love that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, he found everything in our house that was metal. He'd go to the refrigerator, sticking it back on, go check all their, you know, let, let his mom know that all the appliances are metal, you know, and he's discovering things. And then I thought, Okay, so I reached in the drawer and I got some uh, paper clips, a whole bunch of them. And I laid them out on the table and watched him. He's a very curious, he loves science and math, things like that. He's a very curious guy. And so I showed him, I go, Josh, let me show you this. And I took the wand and I'd bring it over the paper clips, not, not right on the paper clips, but the paper clips would get nervous. They'd start shaking, you know. So watch this, John. He's, he's amazed by it. He's never seen anything like this before. And so I brought it over there. And if I brought it a little bit closer, some of them stood up. Paper clips just stood right up. Few got raptured. <laughs> and then I watched him. He got down there and he did it. You know, he brought it in. He brought it a little too close and they were all like, Phew! they went right up to it. He's like, oh, he's got to pull them all off, you know, and put them back down there. He realized he had to find his distance there because when you draw too close, bam, you draw nigh unto God, <laughs> he'll draw nigh unto you. This is the biggest magnet in the universe. In fact, you can feel the presence of God in a place. You can, you know, you, the little paper clips start rattling inside of you. You're like, well, I feel the magnetic attraction of God. He is here somewhere. Even during this pandemic, I had my bad days, but generally I'd walk through and I'd go, Lord, what, are you, what is this all about? I know you're here. I know you're in this. And over and over again, he would lead me to people and situations and scenarios, you know, that I would go through. Even last week when I walked into the church in Columbus, when I walked into the sanctuary, the, the vibe was so strong there that immediately I felt the paper clips moving inside of me. It was like, whoa, God is here. And I got, in fact, when I talk about it, it comes right back. You know, I'm feeling the paper clips now moving inside of me. There's this vibe that comes on as you know God is near. This is a difficult place. This is a difficult situation you're going through, but God is in the midst of the difficult situation. And if you lean in close rather than running away, or coming up with some idea to divide the awkward moment. Let's do this. Let's do that. We should do this. We should do that. Shh. My hands are open. My heart is free. Bend down, oh Lord. Rain down on me. Fall down on me. So that's what you're in your spirit. You don't have to say it out loud. Wherever you are, you might get arrested. But you're just in your spirit. The rhythm starts coming. Draw nigh unto the Lord, and he will draw nigh. And he even gives you stuff to do in this. He says, here in James, he says, first of all, submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> he obviously did not live in the 21st century. James, when he wrote this, he called us sinners. I'm not a sinner. I've been saved by grace, thank God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. James says, you're also a sinner. I mean, 
It's not who you are, it's what you do. And so he says, uh, cleanse your hands. So that's, that's a response. Draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto you. When he comes close, holiness becomes a bigger part of your life. Even if you're not thinking about it. I mean, if you met, I, I know nowadays it's different people, where, oh, I just go in my jammies. I mean, if you, you knew you had a, an appointment with the president, whoever that is, <laughs> if you had an appointment with the president, you'd probably dress up for that. You change your look and your behavior because of who you're with. Well, I wouldn't do that. I'd just go in right the way I am. Well, that's why you haven't been invited to see the president. <laughs> just a little pointer there. But you go, you get a, if you're a guy, you get a suit. You know, you got a suit ready. It might, maybe you didn't get dry clean in time. It may be bell bottoms. You haven't worn them in a few years. But, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to wear whatever you have. The best you have, you're going to take it because this is the president. There's something about when you draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto you. It starts to change the way you think about stuff. Because the holiness of God, it's not just the love of God, that's a powerful thing, but he is a holy God. And when he gets closer, all of a sudden, the things you wanted to do, someone just told me that the other day, something they were doing, saying, I can't do that anymore. Because what's happening? There's a drawing in of the Lord in their lives, and as the Lord draws in, cleanse your hand, you sinners. I mean, what are you into? What are you watching? What are you looking at? You know that shouldn't be happening. And this isn't some legalistic thing. God's not going to burn you with fire about it. You honor the Lord. He's coming. I'm putting my suit on. I'm dressing a little different. I'm acting like just hypocrisy. No, it's intentionality of holiness toward the Lord. It is actually worship to God. You know, changing your behavior affects your relationship with God. He loves you regardless. People say, well, he loves me just the way I am. Yeah, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants to bring you out into the, the, the conforming of the image of Christ in your life, that where you go, there will be life, and the life will be the light of men. That's what an encounter with God is. So we move into this Advent season for four Sundays. I'm here this Sunday. Mark Dupont, I'm here next Sunday too, but Mark Dupont, prophetic guy from California, Toronto prophet guy, is gonna be here. He's been a friend of mine for 24 years. Love the guy. He's actually on our board of this church and has been for 24 years. So he comes speaking with authority in this church. I'm excited about it. He is, you never know what Mark's gonna bring and he's gonna be at, I think, all the services next Sunday. So it's gonna be a very, very fun time, you know. And so that's the second week of Advent. Then I'm gonna come and speak two messages up to Christmas. In order for us to position ourselves before the Lord, to understand the very light, why did Jesus come? And to acknowledge the fact, as he ascended into heaven, so shall he come again. That we do not know the time or hour, this was meant to be something that created anticipation for 2,000 years now. It's called the imminent, theologically, it's called the imminent return of the Lord. That there's nothing else that needs to happen for him to come. And our minds are, because we're all experts on it. Well, no, there has to be the emergence of the Antichrist, and then there's, you know, a seven-year period, and, and, and then, you know, well, you know, you've heard all these things, you know. It's like, yeah, but he's God. And when the Father says, it's time, the Son will come. And he's coming riding a white horse. And the sword is in his mouth. 
and he's bringing judgment upon the nations. Oh no, we don't judge anymore. <laughs> Jesus didn't hear that. He's coming back. He's coming back in power. And those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will go to be with him. My, my theory is that, that there's a city coming called Jerusalem. He's been working on it for a long time. He is a carpenter. He's building an amazing city. It will come. In Galatians, it infers that that city hovers above. Strange, isn't it? And that he's going to recreate the earth and the heavens at that time. And from there, heaven and what we experience eternally is a bit of a mystery. But we get some insight on it. And so he is coming back. So during this season, when you attach yourself to that understanding, it brings peace and hope to you about what you're experiencing right now. This becomes lesser in the sense of pain and difficulty and challenge because absent from the body, present with the Lord. Went to a funeral the other day, a friend of mine my age that we knew way back in North Coast days 40 years ago, Paul Janus passed away. He was one of our first drummers at our church way back in 80, 81. I think he came 82, 83, maybe, something like that. Great guy. Uh, insurance salesman. Being at the funeral, though, I mean, we stood out in the cold 45 minutes. It was really cold, you know. And they did the uh, funeral right there at the graveside. And they sang hymns. In the presence of God, I could just feel the wispiness of the, like it wasn't constant, but I could feel like the Spirit of God was moving through the crowd because I could feel it in, in, my, in my own soul, you know. It was like, whoa, oh, God is here. He's moving among the crowd right now. And, but there was a sense, even though it was a tragic situation on this side of heaven, I mean, there's a sense of absolute release into the presence of the Lord. I mean, the, it's gonna be so amazing for every person when that moment comes that they step out of this life, this is the one thing that Christians have that nobody else has. The promise of eternal life with Jesus Christ. That when you leave this body, uh, you're gonna get a new one actually, scripture says, and I'm very thankful about that. I've already put my order in what I want. It's gonna be a little bigger and you know, more handsome and all that, and hair, it's gonna have hair. So. We'll, we'll be with the Lord forever and ever, amen. That hope is part of the advent. That hope means when you're going through cancer, you're going through a divorce, you're going through bankruptcy, you just lost your job, you broke up with someone you loved, you've got a best friend that betrayed you, you've lost money, all these things that happen in our life, they do go grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. You keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's the same path we take. For the joy set before us, we endure the cross. We're gonna get rid of stuff. We're gonna see some people get healed. We're gonna see some people delivered. We're also gonna see situations that do not change. But we're gonna continue to move on. Why? Because we are followers of Jesus Christ. As we draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto us. Let's all stand together if we could. <clears throat> my hands are open. My heart is free. You know, Jesus went to Jerusalem. He wept, stopped outside of Jerusalem. He saw the city in the distance. I've stood pretty much where he was in Jerusalem. And 
He wept because he said they did not know the day of their visitation. Jacob, when he was at Bethel, a place later called Bethel, it's called Luz, Luz. He turned aside to Luz. He laid down and went to sleep, not knowing. Or maybe not, I don't know what he knew. But he probably didn't know his grandfather had been there and built an altar. So it was already holy ground. He laid down there and he had this incredible dream about ladders, which is why we have a ladder on the outside of each corner in this building. A ladder to heaven. He saw this ladder with angels descending and ascending and the, and the Lord and the voice of the Lord on top. It's amazing. He woke up and he made this famous statement that is popular in Jewish culture. He said, God was in this place and I did not know it. Whew. How many places is God that we do not know? I mean, when you have the guys that walk with him on a road to Emmaus, they, Jesus comes in and they go, stranger, they're walking with Jesus. They do not know it. Stranger, have you not heard of the things going on? Jesus, oh, what's happening? <laughs> I love the way he does that. Is something going on? Yes, this man, Jesus, the prophet, you didn't hear about that, was killed upon a cross. <clears throat> and Jesus speaks to him and says something like this. These are guys he does not know. He says, oh, oh, little faith. And the Bible says he opens up the scripture from the prophets in history and shares about Jesus to them. They are baffled by this. This guy is brilliant. He knows everything about Jesus. He is Jesus. They just didn't know. They get to a fork in the road. They're going over to their buddy's house to eat. They said, Jesus, come with us. No, I'm going to go ahead. No, come on, come on, come on with us. Okay. He goes in because they're ancient Middle East folks. They're hospitable. Someone invites you, you need to go. They get in there, sitting around the table. They're explaining about this guy. Man, they're, they're probably telling the other guys, like, this guy really knows a lot about Jesus. Amazing. So they honor him, and they give him the bread to break. The Bible says when he broke the bread, their eyes were open. Jesus, you're Jesus. He disappears. They're freaked out by it. They said, did not our hearts burn within us when we were with him? Same theme. God was in our place, and we did not know it. Let me tell you something. God is in this pandemic, whether you know it or not. He's in, he's in this election. He's in the future of America. Our job, too, is to draw nigh unto God. If you draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto you. I'm feeling his presence really strong right now. Just kind of reach your hands out. Where's Jay? Jay, come on up here real quick. Why don't you lead, that, lead us in that course, if you could. Our hands are, hands are open. And just sing it a few times. As he's singing it, sing it and let it, let it drill down deeper in your life. And in this moment, be that, be that magnet <laughs> or the paperclip, whichever one you want to be. And let the Lord begin to stand you up. Let the magnetic power of heaven touch you right now. Do not be low during this season. This is a season to draw nigh, draw nigh, draw nigh.